Okay, hello. Uh, welcome back to Mentoring the Daily. Uh, I am here today with Madeline. How do I say your last name? Fredine. Fredine. I don't think I've heard it said out loud before. I just see it written. <laughs> when I'm giving my name to people like a hostess, we'll just say it phonetically. It's Fredin, but uh, but yeah, Fredine. Oh, funny. All right. Um, so she, uh, Madeline, is in my mentor group, and last. Well, it's been like a month or so. <laughs> it's been a while since we last met. But uh, we had kind of a great conversation about uh, different generational approaches to things. And it was just a fun conversation I thought would make a great podcast. So we're going to talk today a little bit about that. But when I start by having you introduce yourself, tell you a little bit about yourself and how long you've been at the church and yeah. whatever inspires you to speak well. <laughs> So yeah, so we joined Cross uh, right at the tail end of COVID. So I think it was one of the first services back, uh, but we uh, moved to Minnesota in the middle of COVID. So from Chicago, and I'm actually a California native. So this is the third place that I've really called home. Um, but yeah, so we've really loved being at Church of the Cross. Um, it's our first Anglican experience as I think for most people I meet yeah. at Cross, it's their first Anglican church home. Uh, but yeah, so that's yeah. a little bit about us. Married to Sam is your husband. And yes, married to Sam. Cute um, little dog running around here. <laughs> yes, Piper. Uh, and Sam and I are also uh, leaders in the youth group. Oh, so right. we've yeah. made most of our friends at Cross by first meeting children, and then those children introduce us to their parents. So it's been a great <laughs> backwards way of meeting people our own age. That works perfectly. <laughs> Well, we had this great conversation, uh, just kind of talking, you're a millennial, I'm a Gen Xer, Kara in our group's a Gen Xer, and um, I think we were talking mostly like about work stuff and just the differences in um, how we think about and prioritize our life around work and whatnot, mm -hmm. and it just kind of struck me like this is kind of a really relevant topic. One of the things that you talked about that I thought and this probably, you're kind of in the middle, right, of Gen X, you know, wanting to still be the way they are. Your generation being like, nope, here's how we've changed the world. And now Gen Z is coming up behind you and you're like, excuse me, we figured it out. Like, <laughs> so we kind of have these three generations hitting the ground. And um, I one of the things that you said that I loved was kind of talking about bringing AI into your work. And you said something about how it had been down one day. I don't know if you remember this. And you were like... <laughs> I'm better off not doing my job than trying to do it without this AI, which for a Gen Xer, they'd be like, this is the thing you're supposed to do today. Who cares if it takes four hours? And you're like, why would I spend four hours on something that's going to take me four minutes tomorrow? Like, <laughs> but we're just so like my generation, we're not as familiar with the technology and how to make it, you know, shrink something from four hours to four minutes. And so it's just not like, and just felt like such a great example to me of how different our generations are and how we experience the world and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So do I have a question in there for you? <laughs> well, I can definitely comment. I do remember that day. Um, and actually, as I was reflecting on, uh, you know, preparing for this conversation, one of the things, the great, uh, gifts I would say millennials have is creating margin. It's like the more, you know, positive 
use of technology of really looking at ways of how do I work smarter, not harder. And I feel like that really, uh, when talking to Gen X, like hard work is such a value for the generation right above us um, and really recognizing and thinking that, you know, I that value is really correlated with how hard did you have to work for that to accomplish that thing. Mm -hmm. And for our generation, uh, that really values balance and has brought this mentality of like, and I think challenged the workplace in a good way, in a good way about, um, you know, profit isn't necessarily king and, you know, really <laughs> creating a, we're the greed is good generation, right? Like <laughs> a little bit. And um, so, yeah, the AI, you know, question of like, well, if I could do the same thing in four minutes, I think there's a little bit of tension there of like, does time and hard work equal value? And um, I think there's a little bit of a disconnect between the generations there of, you know, the millennials being a little bit more comfortable saying like, yeah, like it, you can still have value and not work as hard to get there. Mm -hmm. um, which I guess on the flip side too, of like some of the things I've learned a lot from my Gen X colleagues is just the value of hard work and of, um, of grit and perseverance. Um, so I think that I'm not going to say it's an altogether good thing. It's just more of an observation. Right. Yeah. We work hard. You work smart. If we could combine the two, right. We'd be <laughs> taking over the world mm -hmm. <laughs> and maybe we are, I don't know. Anyway. Um, yeah. And then how do you feel about Gen Z coming up behind you? Have you started work? I mean, well, in the youth, you're working with the, the Gen Z and kind of seeing what's coming behind. And do you feel like what kind of sense would you say is coming from that? Honestly, I feel like we're sandwiched between two more capable generations in some <laughs> ways. Um, I am I am really impressed by the humility of Gen Z. Um, I will say millennials kind of because we didn't really get technology until you know middle school high school uh, kind of have a foot in both worlds where i will still pick up a phone to call for reservations at a restaurant where i was uh hearing a story recently where there was i was talking to a woman who has a granddaughter who just i think turned like 15 or something and she gave her cash and the granddaughter was disappointed because she had she had no use for it there she looked at it like you just venmo me this yes where she's like <laughs> all of her purchases are digital and she doesn't have a car. She can't, she can't do anything with cash. And it was just such an interesting observation of that. And just the very, very digital um, minded generation um, and the communication being a lot more comfortable asynchronous than, you know, face to face or on the phone. Right. Um, so yeah, adjusting those communication styles, I feel like is the biggest uh, way to care for Gen Z of like, I know not to cold call them at work. I will <laughs> thoroughly freak them out if I pick up a phone and call them. Um, but no, I've, I have really enjoyed having them in the workplace. Yeah, that is super interesting. Uh, like, so you're my son's age and then I've got a Gen Z college freshman. And it was interesting to raise two, I mean, and yes, 10 years apart is gonna be differences, but it felt like such drastically different generations where with your generation, like parents are, you know, one, one thing's coming up. Well, here's Facebook. We'll all look at it together. 
We'll all learn how it works together. It'll be this shared experience and we'll oversee and supervise it. And nobody knows what's going on together, right? Like, and then risk comes along and there are 32 platforms and somehow they're all in her DNA, how they work, how to use them, how to interact with them and how to meet people. And I don't even know 30 of them exist, let alone to oversee them. And, and so I do kind of feel like that generation is going to, um, that's going to be the struggle of their generation is that they, I don't know how to phrase it. Maybe they ended up technologically raising themselves mm. because they're what, because, and that like, because parents, abandoned it but because we didn't know like it was happening and <laughs> we couldn't keep up with it you know what I mean and so they're all you know that's going to be their sort of adult um uh cross to bear so to speak is yeah. having to like back themselves out of technology world a mm -hmm. little bit I think about that too, in terms of, you know, we, we look at these younger generations like, oh, they're, they are the technology generation, but um, like the iPhone was built by boomers and by Gen X and that social media was created by boomers and Gen X. Mm -hmm. And um, I think in reflecting a little bit on how the generations can um, better understand and relate to each other is recognizing older generations taking a little bit of responsibility for like, we raised you this way, or we created these technologies that are now having some mixed effects on you. And like, wow, like, I can't just blame you for being in the midst of all of this. Um, and then from, you know, the younger generation's perspective, like really building a sense of empathy through studying history and understanding like the context that your parents and their parents' generations were born into. And like, right how much has been built and created on your behalf already. Mm -hmm. Like I think about how much the women who came before me, like I'm in banking and in consulting. And so there's not a lot of women in the rooms that I'm in, but there are probably more than there were for the generation prior to mine. Right. And like how much I owe to those women. So yeah, I think mm -hmm. a healthy amount of empathy and trying to like, yeah, responsibility and recognition and all of that, I think for me helped bridge some of those gaps. Yeah, I think that's a great way to think about it. Like on the one hand, every generation brings in this change and we fight it, but also like the value that each, like there are a lot of positive movements forward, like you say, with like women in the workplace and how we're viewed and whatnot. And I mean, praise God for that. Like it's easy to romance, romanticize positive aspects of the past, but we've, we've got to take all of it together and acknowledge there's a lot of not great things about the past. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thankful for the generations behind us that worked for it and for the generations ahead of us that are going to be blessed by it. So I often say like about my childhood and growing up that my parents did the best they could with what they had. And I think mm -hmm. that we could say that about every generation. Like, did my parents perfectly raise me? No, but I know their story. I know their history. I know what they got in their childhood and what they had to give me. And they gave everything they had to me and I took that hopefully added to it gave everything I had to my kids they will hopefully add to that and maybe we'll have a magically perfect generation come out of my family one day <laughs> probably not but <laughs> it is I mean that's I think yeah I think we sometimes get stuck talking about and generationally like what's wrong with 
each generation and not having enough conversations about uh, where we're going, right? So, mm -hmm. um, do we have other questions? I'm trying to look back. I think one thing you were talking about with risk being online and she does esports too and has a lot of her friendships are even online mm -hmm. and digital um i i'm super curious how relationships change with technology and because mm -hmm. one of the things that i think about um of just um i'll reference my experience in banking so i was i was interviewing a board of directors for community bank this last year or this last week and uh one of the things that every community bank will tell you is that they compete for business on the basis of relationship. Like people just love us. We're so good at relationships. And um, I would say that for my generation, like, I don't know that I have that same level of belief or value that like, would I choose a bank based on that? Like, would it, would that be the thing that draws me to bank somewhere? Or am I expecting something else? Do I hold digital experiences or certain product features as like of a higher value than the relationship that I have. And so for my seat, I'm like, I'm, I'm skeptical of that as a strategy. Um, but I do think like we were made fundamentally and designed to be in community and that, you know, relationships are such a key part. Mm -hmm. And so as much as I want to like, it's not scalable and like who's going to walk into a branch anymore. Like I have, I have these doubts about like, I don't know how effective that's going to be about attracting people like me. Um, but I think I have a lot to learn still of why that has historically been such a strong, you know, factor in building business um, and why and where it will continue to remain a really strong factor in business. Um, I think that I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen it or experienced it personally as much. Um, but I think there's a lot of truth there that I have, um, I have, yeah, still to experience. Um, one of the things I <laughs> was talking about with some of those bank, the bank president was um, talking about that concept of trust. I'm like, yeah, we, we compete on trust. Like that's, that's our model. Like, let me tell you what my generation thinks about trust. And like, if I were to bank with you and on the basis of trust, um, you know, what, what did you do last year when rates rose, where if I'm banking with you on the basis of trust, even though I'm an existing customer, I would want to call saying, Hey, by the way, we're offering 5% to new customers. You're an existing customer, but we're going to go ahead and just raise your rate on your behalf. I'm like, did you do that? And that has been my, um, my little pH test, uh, for mm -hmm. like, how, how serious are you about relationships being this, this core aspect and how reliable, because I think for my generation, it's a little bit of, you know, let's, I, I believe it when I see it or like I, that, that authenticity, I think that word has become such a buzzword in right. with my generation. Um, so all that to say, I think I have a lot to learn still as far as where relationships will continue to play. Um, but kind of bring my own generational, Know, experiences of like, this is, this is how I hope they look. And this is what I would expect if you were to be competing on the basis of like really deep, trustworthy relationships. Yeah. I mean, and that is super interesting. Like you say, bringing in Gen Z to it, uh, it makes sense that your generation would be their generation sort of pulling away from 
relationships as technology has sort of pulled relationship, the necessity of in-your-face relationships away. And their relation, and their generation, like, are, I mean, Gen Z's are afraid of talking to people in person. Like, let's just <laughs> name it what it is. If my daughter was here, she would not be offended. She would be nodding in agreement. Yes. <laughs> Please never make me dial a phone and talk to somebody in person. Like, why do phones call people anymore? <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, you do see like this this longing for for connection to people in um, in person mm-hmm. or in like all the group the group things that she does on like she plays games. Group games online are very very popular, and it's easy to pop in and play with a group, you know, and find that connection. And so it will be curious to see going forward, like how, how reconnecting those relationships looks yeah. because it'll never look the way it did before. I mean, hopefully there'll be some in person, hopefully we will continue to have in-person relationships. Well, as I, well, but. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, one of the questions you had sent me before, like, what's like, the most fundamental technology for like connecting. And I put it in my notes, the plane of like getting your butt in person. Like I think in, in person, I have seen still be the most effective to really building those, those relationships. I do think it'll be, I mean, so maybe not phone calls, but still in person, but still in person. Yeah. Still being a necessary thing because so much of, Gen Z entered the workforce during COVID. And so I know for us, like we had 70% of our workforce was new in like 2022 and had never been to an office, never had a conversation with a coworker in person. Like, and the last time I saw this research, it was a little while ago, but basically, you know, millennials were joining churches, joining social groups, any like, uh, you know, official social group like Mm -hmm. at much lower rates than prior generations, but we're really looking to their employer for that sense of belonging. And then enter COVID and you have this, everybody working from home um, and you just see the stats about loneliness and, you know, a lack of belonging, all these things kind of through the roof. And they're very, I think, connected in terms of um, what happens when you don't have a a solid community to to lean back on. so I, I am very curious to see what back to work trends will look like. Like I, I've been seeing a huge desire to return to offices from some of my Gen Z and millennial coworkers who don't have spouses and kids and like deep roots at home um, that are still very interested in finding that kind of community through work. They've done the pajamas. They've done a little tra- traveling. They're like, hey, I'd like other people to talk to every day. Yes. <laughs> I've been reading actually this last week, and this could be like a whole other podcast topic, but about um, routine and the value of um, just the value of the sameness and kind of doing the same thing, even something that you don't. Today, I read a quote that basically said, even something you don't love, if you do it regularly, you come to love it because Mm -hmm. of just the safety of that sameness. And so anyway, uh, I forget. Actually, that's why I brought that up. <laughs> but, um, oh, going back to work, like go, seeing the same people every day and, yeah. you know, doing the same thing every day. Like there's, it really is a grounding experience. So. 
And I, I know that there's, I think Bonhoeffer is the one that I first heard this argument from of just, is it faith? Is it obedience because of faith or obedience for faith of like, which, which comes first. Mm -hmm. And um, he uses the example of like Jesus calling the disciples and they follow him. And it's like, he doesn't, they don't first profess, like you are the Messiah, you're the son of God. They, he just says, follow me. And they, they obey and they follow him. And then they're given that opportunity to come to faith and experience that. And so I wonder too, how much, um, yeah, how much we need that. We need other people to invite us in, to go through the motions, to get over the discomfort of like, whatever that might be, to be able to experience the gift that's there um, mm -hmm. in doing those things. Um, and so I wonder if that is, if we are uh, confident on the goodness of, you know, building deep, meaningful relationships, but we have generations coming on who are not comfortable necessarily. They haven't been taught or led that way. If that is an opportunity for us to kind of bring them in and help uh, lower that barrier to entry so that they have that chance to experience and recognize like, oh, there was something true and good here. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. So interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, it does make you think about um, like what generations drawing faith in and what we've observed. I mean, Church of the Cross is a super traditional and liturgical sameness. And that has, we've drawn so many younger people to our church. What's been super interesting to me is Riss has been um, church shopping. I've gone down and visited a couple churches with her. She loves churches with organ music and choirs. No way. And I am, and I actually talked to somebody else who said that their sons love you know had visited a church and loved it as well that are also Gen X or Gen Z. And I mean, me, I'm sitting in this church immediately like, oh no, we shouldn't have come here. This is all wrong. Like I am like 12 years old, bored in you know <laughs> traditional choirs and organ music church, not knowing what the point of it is. And she is like feeling this like super spiritual, you know, comfort about like, I suppose the tradition and the history of it, you know, mm -hmm. I, I don't even, she'd have to be here to say what it is she loves about it. But I just think it's interesting that some of those traditions and whatnot that are not like in your face about dragging or welcoming you to church, but are just more of that, like, welcome, mm -hmm. you know, like, come follow me and then discover. You know, I think it'll be so Sam and I talk about this pretty frequently of what is going to be the cultural reaction to the rise of AI. And I already see it on my LinkedIn feed of I can point at things like that was AI generated. That was AI generated. And this sense of um, skepticism over like, I can't trust what I see or what I hear. And so is there going to be flight to things that and authorities that we can confidently trust. Mm -hmm. um, and I wonder, I wonder if we'll see that in church and if mm -hmm. it will become, I don't know what for sure what will happen, but I, I think we're going to see that. And I, I wonder how much, like even a more high church traditional setting, if that communicates a level of like confidence and peace in a time when that is really a high value. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, uh, do we have anything else to say on this topic? We could like just ramble here for an hour more, right? <laughs> I try to keep it, you know, shorter. Um, thank you so much for doing this and chatting with me. And um, 
Thanks for having me. What an honor to be on this just elite podcast. Yes, where 12 people listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good day.